Episode 21, and we're chatting to Finlay Wilson, the kilted yogi. His videos have had something like 100 million plus views, and obviously he is an awesome yoga teacher as well, originating in Scotland, and lots of his videos are him in a kilt in the beautiful Scottish countryside. But not only is he a great yoga teacher, but he does a huge amount of advocacy work for LGBTQ plus issues, for male mental health, for issues around suicide, and a lot more. We love Finlay. We love this conversation. You will too. Enjoy, guys. Whether you're practicing at home or back in studios, you probably want your own mat and why not choose the best mat? For me, that is a lifeform mat. I've used them forever, it seems. Uh, and with code the hustlers, you get 10% off and we get a little kickback. So head to the website, lifeform, and use that code. Honestly unbalanced. Finlay, welcome. I want to start with a topic that is really dear to my heart, your dog. Okay, I love your dog. I love your dog so much and I love the story behind it. I just want to ask, how much has a dog or dogs or animals got you through stuff? There's been lots going on in the last few years. Yeah, speak about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up with dogs, so we were familiar with them. Um, my parents tell a story that they would leave me in my pram with my twin brother in the front garden and just leave the dog to look after us for oh, the afternoon. What, what kind of dog wow. is that? Um, well, that was, uh, we grew up with setters. So we had like big Irish setters and Gordon setters. Um, wow. And so, they were, yeah, they were lovely. So when I got married the first time, we'll cover that. We'll get, we'll get into all of that. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I had two black labs and then, um, as I, let's call it a transition into the next phase of my life, I met Amalo. So I found him in Sri Lanka, actually, when I was on my honeymoon, which was the beginning to the end of the marriage. And when I was there, he, yeah, he was just following me around everywhere and I couldn't leave him there. I mean, I'd seen people kick him. I, he, there was lumps beating out of him. Oh my gosh. I walked for miles to find somewhere that I could get like a treatment for his skin while I was there, which wasn't the easiest because it's like the middle of nowhere. Um, and then I right the day before I left, I set in motion everything, made all the phone calls. And at the day I was leaving, I kind of caught him with a yoga strap as a <laughs> collar. Because, <laughs> you know, yoga teachers will travel with their stuff. And yeah, it started a nine month process to bring him to Scotland. Wow, nine months. So it's not an easy, smooth process then. There's quite a lot you have to do to rescue a dog. Yeah, well, he had to pass his... Well, he had to basically show that he was quarantined and also show that he was free of any infections. And actually, he had a few of them. So he had to have a vaccine clear and then show that he actually kind of had like a positive immunity. So it actually took longer. It should have taken about six months, but it took mm. nine months because he was not in great shape. And like, how much do you think he's added to your life or helped in life in the last few years? Because I guess you, you were getting him at what became a start of a quite a hard time. Well, essentially, like when the divorce was kind of coming through, like they, they based the company that was helping me with moving him over here basically said, well, look, if you don't take him, he'll get put down. Aww. So because it had gotten to the point where I thought like, I can't, I'm moving in by myself for the first time in like 10 years. I don't know if I can handle having a dog right now. Um, and it was either take him uh, or leave him and he would get put to sleep. I, I couldn't face another casualty of mm. my, my marriage. God, so pressure. I took him and actually having to get up every day and take him out was kind of what gave my days a little bit more shape than what they had. Yeah, And it turned out that he was... A, sweetheart like i would get on my yoga mat and he would want to be there with me and if i was in dolphin he would actually do the exact same he'd be on his elbows with his butt in the air and me taking some photos of that ended up with him in the newspaper and then he got his first viral video with like three million views and actually he's the start of a lot of why people got to know me actually oh really and he's got i was like i was like proper low-key social media but like oh my god guys i've got like 100 followers i'm so big (laughs) and like i was that guy yeah and then all of a sudden it just started picking up so he's the reason for your fame 
Yeah, totally. Not the not the reason. The Joking. catalyst. The catalyst. He's got his exactly. own. He's got his own account as well. I think, hasn't he? He does. Oh. Avalu the rescue what? dog. I didn't. I did not. How know did this. you come I up? Did, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> we'll stalk after. Okay, let's do Did that you later. come up with his name, or did did? Was it's that actually the name of the town I found him in. Oh, it's a beautiful name, Amalo. Yeah. So, was, so he goes by Amy. Mm. Was, that, was that the first BBC videos then? Because you did some BBC videos. That he, yeah, he was my first BBC video. And that's basically because it did so well. It was like really early in BBC The Social, them creating any content. And they were like, oh, wow, it's done really well. Why don't you create another video? Make it on whatever you want. It won't be as popular as your dog. Okay. And <laughs> I showed that people like butts more than they like dogs. <laughs> so is that what? So what was the second video? Is that the Kilty Joga? That was the Kilty Joga video. Were you were you consciously thinking, right? How can I beat Amalo here and be the star? And I just thought oh, I'm going to get my bum out, or did it just sort of naturally? Well, I always wanted that to be my first video. Like oh. I gave them that as my first video, and they were like, Nah, no, not like really feeling it, because I wanted it to be like proper drama yeah. as if it was a like aftershave commercial you know these <laughs> words coming up and then at the end i wanted like the bum shot and it just played out it played out exactly how i wanted it to play out amazing it went down so well didn't it it um, went down absolute when so are we how, talking? how many hits did you get oh. i mean so with all the it obviously got taken into numerous iterations because it ended up like on china's equivalent of social media and it, it ripped everywhere so it ended up like over 100 million views which wow. is so, hang on crazy. Just, but just, within like 24 hours it was like over 30 million views which was the crazy oh my thing. gosh so what sorry what actually is the video i need to go back and look at this what what happened talk us through it it is like 42 seconds yeah there is some drums that sound scottish ish <laughs> yeah it's us <laughs> doing some yoga poses like Five words appear on the screen, like power, strength, serenity, yeah. grace, and then freedom at the end. And obviously it's like headstands and my kilt wonderfully, instead of just like flopping, did this like concertina effect that just captured <laughs> everybody's imagination. It ended up as a gif on Cosmopolitan. Amazing. Like in Cosmo. It was meant to be. <laughs> That little blast yeah. of wind. And did you... <laughs> then that ev that then evolved into the book. So it all kind of fed into the next thing, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I got pursued by a publisher and they said, look, we'd really love to see a book on this. And so, yeah, created that. And it's been... Yeah, it's been busy. It's been busy. Yeah. There was meant to be a lot of stuff this year, but obviously this year is in tatters mm. <laughs> for yes. everyone. I guess what ha what's happened for you is... So there were some people that and you're not one of these i'm going to say but there are some people that you know do something on social media get loads of views and it's quite kind of cliche they got lots of interaction and suddenly they're put in front of everyone as like an amazing yoga teacher or fitness instructor without any foundation however you are a seriously good yoga teacher like seeing you at conferences you know i've been at conferences where you're teaching and you no slating the other teachers but you are one of the most informed teachers and like i i go to your classes mm. and i don't necessarily go to all the other teachers classes but i like to see your teaching and you're funny uh, you may be yeah, and you're lot. funny so you you have that <laughs> thing of quality teaching huge amount of experience and have the whole kind of celebrity slash funny slash comical slash out there thing which is a nice combo so before you had that extra thing that gave the boosts what what was your plan at that point as a yoga teacher? I mean, even I think even when at the first BBC interview that I did after the video, I even said in that I was like, look, they said what's next, and I said if I can get people thinking and talking about yoga that have never thought about it before, then I'm already able to take my yoga teaching to a completely different level than what conferences and workshops and in studio stuff does. Hmm. Because to be honest, that stuff kind of drives me insane because it's we're preaching to the converted and they're just, they're usually fine tuning what they already yeah, do. Yeah. But actually getting beginners on the map, people who think they can't do yoga, that's what I do. That's oh. what I think I'm good at. Yeah. Um, and helping people who perhaps feel they're too injured, too broken, or can't have been told they can't do yoga. And I said in that interview, I want to speak to these people and I want to start a conversation around mental health. And quite the very next video that I released, like the following week, was with my twin brother having a really open and candid conversation with the BBC about um, suicide attempts and mm. male mental health. So it's been a, a you know a progression of kind of building on that. Mm. And from the from the yoga point of view, I mean, I think you'll probably you guys will probably be the same. 
when you teach, you're not really, I don't feel like I'm teaching advanced anything anymore. Mm. Uh, I feel like I'm teaching some glorified beginner workshops where we strip things back to the basics and actually look at the why and how of what's happening. And very rarely does that mean that we're doing anything that would look showy. Very rarely does it look like the photo we're using to advertise the class. Mm. <laughs> you yes, know? so true. And I feel like uh, my bread and butter is our, our beginners. Yeah, so that's your passion then to work with people that haven't really had much introduction to yoga before and helping them along their journey. Yeah, I mean, I've had the weird um, thing where I've, uh, so even though the book was mostly a picture book and a guide, I ended up doing like a book tour and doing talks and things wow. with like actual authors. Scary. <laughs> uh, usually the first thing I would say, like all of mine always sold out. I don't know what they were expecting to see, or maybe I knew exactly what they were expecting <laughs> to see. You knew. And I would say to them, I was like, how many of you are here expecting like a really serious conversation? And some of them put their hands up and I said, but, but how many of you have seen my bare arse? <laughs> <laughs> and they would put their hands up and I'd be like, well, let's have a serious conversation about how much serious we're going to get out of yeah. this. And, but in that conversation, we were kind of breaking down that wall. I would speak really openly about my own experience, like how I started yoga, about injury and overcoming those obstacles and saying to people, like, if I had listened to the advice, I wouldn't have done yoga. If I listened to even the medical advice I'm getting now about my spine, they're saying, don't do yoga. Really? You know, and I'm like, well, what if you go to somebody that has a really good comprehensive working knowledge of the body and you explore what can happen? Mm. And that's a conversation. And that's been really wonderful for some people, I think, is to have that. Mm. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you got into yoga initially then? Because I know you had injuries and I think you used it for rehab initially. Can you talk a little mm -hmm. bit about where you started? Yeah, so I'm, I was uh, playing lacrosse competitively for St Andrews University, and so, so my Scottish. training was very. That's... <laughs> so Scottish. <laughs> and so my training was very different. Um, I was just getting into weight training. We were doing a lot of beach training, and I was, I had been aware for a long time of like a grinding in my joints, and it always been ascribed since about the age of thirteen to growing pains, but it was never necessarily painful. And then one day I straightened my left leg and couldn't bend it again, <gasps> and I was like, "Hmm, this isn't fun." And so I went for an X-ray of my left leg, but I was having like similar symptoms on my right. But you know, sometimes when you go and see certain medical professionals, they say there's no way you could have that thing on the other side. We'll only look at this leg. So they looked at my left, confirmed that I had. Um, essentially bony overgrowths that were causing spikes in my leg that were piercing the soft tissue oh. and then I when I insisted about the right leg they said no and I was luckily still covered under like private medical care and they looked at my right and said oh actually it's incredibly rare but you have the same thing on the right oh you're gosh. going to need two different surgical procedures that essentially will power sand down your legs um, <laughs> and then we'll sit you back up and so the recovery was split over six months. I had lots of nerve damage, still do, on my left leg. There's a whole patch that is just dead to the touch. It's very strange. Mm. Um, that's never come back. And so I had a lot of muscle wastage and nerve damage in my left leg. And then after about four months, I had the surgery on the right leg. So any recovery I made then crashed back oh down gosh. to the first slot. And I was in a wheelchair and mobility aids for quite some time. So when I went to my first yoga class, I arrived 45 minutes early because that's my personality type. Mm -hmm. And I said to the instructor, like, oh, I can't stand up. Like, I can't stand up unsupported. Like I literally will just collapse to the floor because I can't. And she just turned to me with this look of impatience slash disgust. Oh. I said, but we're doing standing poses because it was an Ashtanga class, right. you know? And so a lot of the class, I was just in, I would say encouraged. I was more just left to <laughs> sit wow. down and think about my problems while the others did their other stuff. Um, and so I went along for about six months and then basically stopped going to any classes after that and taught myself. Um, so this is like pre-YouTube days. You're talking, I was looking on like the start of the internet on a good old dial-up trying to find some yeah. images and some advice and I was working with like really old super archaic books <laughs> um, and building up like a 20-minute program which 
over time developed into 40 minutes and then an hour and but over, I've over, never really gone back to classes have you not but over those six no. months over the six months did that teacher help you more increasingly or did, did you just have yeah, to sit down like, for six months yeah why did you keep no, going back I, I felt like an absolute alien in that class i mean i was the only guy that was there um, i was the only sportsman but i also was I was battling in my head with the idea of a guy going to yoga in the first place. Yeah. Mm. But I was also battling with my body because I wanted to recover. And mm. at the same time, my lower back issue started to manifest itself, whether it was because of the surgery or because I was carrying a lot of weight yeah. prior to the surgery, not muscle. Like I was, I was, I was chunky. <sighs> oh, okay. <And laughs> my lower spine, essentially my lower spine has been crushed and I hadn't realized that. So obviously things like forward bends, anything that was involving like a rounding of the lower back mm. is a no-go for me. But I didn't know that. And if mm. you know Ashtanga, you know it's like 99% forward bends and one back bend at the end randomly. Mm. So <laughs> it was a lot of it was a lot of that. Mm. And so that wasn't helping. Mm. Um, if anything, I think it was damaging me for quite some time. But you persisted with that same teacher for six months. Like you stayed with her. I mean, you're talking, when I say six months, I mean, like, there's like one class a week okay, and yeah. there's university terms. Like, you're there for like four weeks yeah. and then you're off getting and it, like drunk or something. Yeah. That's basically uni. So, and there's nothing yeah. else around as well, I guess. Not much else around. No. Yeah. I mean, it, it was like the one class that existed. There was no other class. Not like now where you're like tripping over yoga teachers and everybody introduces themselves a bloody yoga teacher. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't acknowledge that. But despite, despite <laughs> just, you saying that your medics told you not to go to yoga, what was it that made you want to go then in the first place uh, well i mean it was mostly the, the yoga teacher herself she didn't seem too keen that i should go but i couldn't do any of my other training i okay, felt yeah. like i needed to do something, something. and mm. i knew like there was the exceedingly stubborn part of me where somebody's saying like oh look at you not able to do this that yeah. i was like well i'm gonna bloody well do it yeah and I think that's what drove my home practice was to try to prove to myself and reclaim something. I, mean, mm. I was trying to reclaim being able to walk up a flight of stairs, yeah. you know, Almost. like trying to walk down a street. There's a wonderful video. I think it was uh, Di- you know Diamond Dallas Page. The yeah, wrestler. CDP Yoga. Yeah. Have you seen the video that, that went viral? It was this uh, huge ex, is it a Marine? So an American soldier of some kind that was in a parachute regiment. And his legs were just destroyed. And he, like, he became oh quite fat, like quite obese. Uh, he was on crutches, couldn't walk. And he lost like an insane amount of weight. And at the end of this video, he's doing headstands. Not handstands, but he's doing headstands and all this incredible stuff. Mm. Like Google yeah. it, people. Like it makes, it makes you cry. Like I was having tears every time I watch it. But skipping back. So that first yoga experience for you wasn't that welcoming. And that is in such stark contrast to your studio right now in Dundee oh, like, lovely studio uh, number one it's an amazing studio it's beautiful yeah uh, like just stunning visually but everyone kind of seems to know each other community. it's so welcoming you yeah. have like the, ki- the is it the free kids classes you do and the mm. community classes you do there's a whole program wow. <laughs> like, so, like, so just describe because I think people need to know this what can be done the power of a studio the groups that you work with in your studio I think actually I'm going to start that with where I started teaching. So a lot of times when people start teaching, they might be teaching in an established yoga studio or where they even did their teacher training. When I first started teaching, my first class was in a center for adults with extreme physical physical and learning disabilities. So I was um, doing like one like one on ones, but also like one to small groups, and it was always about exploring like what what can we do today you know that was it was never that i've come in with a class plan it was like Mm. what can we do today um what mood are people in what are what are the physical aspects that we're navigating and what are we doing with the carer as well as the participants so there was a lot of that and that's where i started you know i was able to turn my own experience of like being really challenged with my mobility Mm. and adapting a yoga practice became what I wanted to put out there. That's why I became a teacher. Mm. I didn't want anyone else to go to a class and feel like they'd been turned away Mm. simply because the teacher didn't have the experience. Like Mm. usually when somebody says, oh, you shouldn't be doing yoga, they then take that, translate that in their mind as all yoga. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and it's all, and they strip away and they leave with a bad taste in their mouth. And it's yeah. very difficult to win somebody around from that. Yeah. And so I certainly did not want to do that. So when I started HeartSpace, it was with that idea, that idea that people can come to class. And initially I was still teaching Ashtanga. That was still my practice. It was still something I was puzzling with and fighting with on a daily basis. (laughs) But it was my um, Hatha classes. It was my flow classes. It was my back pain classes that people started really showing up for. Mm. So actually after a little bit, we ditched Ashtanga 100%. We're like, nah never again. Like one day we just decided that's it. Take it off the timetable. We're not using that again. And I thought we've never looked back. We've tried to bring it back a couple of times when we've had teachers knocking on our door and we just want them to kind of shut up and stop emailing us, (laughs) but it never works Mm, because there's no adaptation unless the teacher is willing to adapt. But some of them are very stuck in their heads and will just do the set sequence and set sequencing is great for some people. But if you always look that set sequences will always work with the movement bias of the practitioner that created them, Mm. then you've got a problem. So our idea with HeartSpace was that every class would be different. They would be adapting and there would be a really open dialogue around injuries, necessity and prop use. Mm. So that's we've always had that. And we want that conversation to start pretty young. So we've got like a full kids program, essentially all of our adult classes all the money that comes in for that, not only are we paying for the teachers and the ridiculous cost of overheads, but we reinvest all of that into a free kids program, essentially from birth straight through to teen. That's so lovely. What what made you want to work with children? It was when I was doing uh, my forest yoga training, I was just really kind of looking at like, what am I putting out? What am I putting out into the world? And what do I really want to create? And I wanted to create a safe space outside of the education system where kids can explore what they can do, but also to have a slightly different way of respecting themselves. Because yoga philosophy is very different to uh, teaching philosophy, Mm. uh, looking at like secondary and primary education teaching philosophy. So when they would come to class, you see them sort of battling with the rules that they've been told <laughs> and then it's starting to get comfortable accepting these other rules. And some of these kids, um, you know, we've been doing this for like 10 years now. Some of the kids are now like um, we teaching went yoga for dinner the other week. And there's like one of them is like serving us the food and has like got a job. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. oh, my God, this is quite scary. I remember you. Yeah. And <laughs> I remember all those classes. Yeah. Uh, you so play- it's, it's, it's wonderful, actually. It's really wonderful. And we do a class for kids with um, like quite extreme additional supports needs. So everybody that is arriving is on um, ventilation, feeding tubes in wheelchairs, and we're getting them onto the yoga mat, working with their carers, mm. getting them to be in the aerial hammocks and moving and enjoying mm. movement and getting a little bit of sound work as well so yeah it's very it's very rewarding so everything that you have been through has really led to where you are now like you wouldn't be doing any of this if you hadn't had your leg injuries your spine injury the teacher being a dick to you (laughs) you wouldn't be where you are now i'm a firm believer that like i've never really found myself at a point where i'm thinking well what do i do with myself now there's always been some catalyst that has sent me off in a direction i didn't anticipate like yeah at no point am i currently using what my degree field was but at some point at university something snapped and sent me yeah in a different direction and the same i was living in the states and this is before i did my teacher training i was living in the states was going to be doing graduate school there um to become a, a geography teacher as you do wow and okay I ended up getting really sick and had to come back to the UK for treatment. And the first day that I was home, I was work. I went to a yoga class in my t- my small town that I grew up in, which is like nothing. <laughs> and I went to the yoga class there, and essentially the teacher there said, "Look, I'd love for you to actually stay and help me with this class." And my teacher training was done pretty much on a one-to-one mentorship basis. Oh, wow. And so it was literally my first class and all of a sudden, hey, you need to become a yoga teacher now. Yeah, that was meant to be, was that just seems to be what's what been happens. happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like even the studio was meant to get demolished and turned into flats. And all of a sudden I find myself 
at 21 the custodian of a church wow you, know? you, you, you so were that, only 21 when you when that happened heart space yeah yeah, yeah. that's oh when i started um, putting like everything in motion to get that you know wow. in the middle of a financial recession to try and oh borrow God. money from the yeah. bank to get a church what a journey well, at what point did you think like this is career now this is what i'm going to be doing for life this is how i'm going to be putting bread on the table Oh, well, hon, I mean, saying I'm doing it for life, I mean, like, <laughs> I'm still young. I know I look haggard and terrible, but I'm still... One like step at a time. I've for the, for the foreseeable left. future. For the foreseeable future. <laughs> for the foreseeable future, I'm stuck. Um, the, what, was, what, was it, what was the moment when you thought, okay, this is kind of careerish. This is, this is how I'm making money for a good while. Well, I'm going to say that when I did realize it, looking back now, I was clearly deluded <laughs> because I was like, oh my God, there's four people in my community center class. I'm going to need my own space. Oh. Honestly, and looking back, I'm like, I wish I'd shaken that person and be like, only when you have a hundred people think about getting a space. Oh, you know? really? Is that a regret, would yeah. you say, or something you change? Um, no, no, no. Not so much that. But I think I just had a really warped view of how yeah. popular I was. <laughs> you know? I was like, I have a mailing list of 16 people, guys. Let's make it happen. I think, you know, like, if you're a yoga teacher out there and you're just getting started and you've got a mailing list of 16 just give it, you know, just wait, give it a little that's while. barely a class. Mm. Yeah, but look at you now, you're flying. You've made it, you've made it work. You're doing you, amazing things. I guess you came to it in quite a unique time. Like with like Scotland, at that era, there probably weren't that many teachers. There weren't probably that many young male athletic teachers. Yoga wasn't that popular full stop, I'm guessing, at the time. So you kind of came into it early, I guess. So did you find yourself because of that having more opportunities or weren't there any opportunities to be had really? Less. Um, I find like, even even now in Scotland, it is very much dominated by Ashtanga. Very is much. Is it still. really? Still, yeah, yeah. So mm. I was in that Ashtanga bubble. That's what the teacher training programs were based in. And it's still some of the main teacher training programs that you see in Scotland are based around Ashtanga. Like the big mm. studios in Edinburgh and Glasgow, um, they're still like Ashtanga powerhouses. and. Yeah because that's where I started, I was really young when I was, you know, I was like 20, 21 doing like my teacher training. I wasn't taken seriously mm. because um, I even had somebody say like when I was applying for like, um, like the next step, like senior yoga status, I was still like below 25. And they were like, well, we don't, we're not really taking you seriously, yeah. despite the fact that I could show them like the list of hours and then all the yeah. training and everything. Anyway. So that was kind of before the Yoga Alliance UK reforms. <laughs> and I felt like I I feel like up in Scotland, like there's less opportunity in general. Like I look down in London and I'm like, oh, wow, this teacher was like two weeks ago was nobody. And now like suddenly they're teaching like one of the biggest studios and everybody's going to their class and they get that elevation. Whereas here, if you're a new teacher, where are you going to teach? Mm. Because back then, like, there was no other studios. There was no other set space. Now there's, like, one other studio in town. But even then, it's still not very big, mm. you know? And I think, like, for me, like, I'm, I look at when I'm teaching my teacher training, I say to them, I was like, look, you need to be really realistic. Like, I don't want any of you going and, like, resigning from your jobs tomorrow when you finish you need to take time and build up and have the commitment of building up relationships with other studio owners, classes, teachers, all this stuff. It takes time. Yeah. I said, you've no idea how many lunchtime classes I used to teach where it'd be like two people show up, but I'd still have to teach it mm. because I needed to build up that class. Whereas yeah. now, yeah, now they're viable, but nine years ago they weren't viable. Yeah. I think it's it's quite easy when you're starting out to to get really disheartened by that. I think um, me and Adam talk about it a bit that you, a lot of us are, or people are becoming yoga teachers and, and wanting the lifestyle that appears to be, you know, this amazing life on Instagram, but actually behind the scenes actually requires a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, persistence. You have to build up your classes, your mailing list, as you said, it can take mm -hmm. a lot of time. It's not something that just and happens Instagram overnight. Instagram following doesn't mean yeah, sales. Exactly. It doesn't mean bums on seats. Exact doesn't translate into people in classes, does it? It's it doesn't just... even translate to people doing like even if you put so for example, like if I put up like an informative post about something that will help somebody with their practice, it gets way less interaction than just yeah. me taking a photo of Amy 
Yeah, you know? or, or, or your so bum. like my followers aren't well exactly like if I want to boost my page for that week to make sure my engagement looks good, I'll put my bum up. But, a tip for everyone out there. But it doesn't trans. But it doesn't translate. Like um, when I look at my statistics from Instagram to YouTube, it's like I barely have one percent of my following subscribing on YouTube. That's interesting. Like one percent. Mm. <laughs> it's yeah. You, I think you can't judge much by it. I think. It's a no, it's, 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 just, it's a nice tool. It's a nice tool, especially yes. like an increasingly international teacher for you to connect with the people you meet along the way. Uh, but mm. it's not in any way the be all and end all. Mm. And on that note of kind of opportunities for teachers, so of course, in smaller towns or smaller cities, there's less opportunities perhaps. But in the bigger towns like London, there are more potential opportunities but so much more competition as well oh, of course like, it's insane every other person isn't it like, now? Yeah, and as you said earlier like people introduce themselves as teachers mm. like in a class in london like almost half the people are qualified teachers in one of my typical classes at least probably why do you think this is why why is this this massive boost of yoga teachers all of a sudden i think it's well, for my a view, lot of places have been running trainings because financially yeah. for a studio to stay in existence, you need it to do needs the trainings. that cash injection of a teacher training. Yeah. Well, and they... it's a big cash injection. Yeah. Well, there you go. And then. they have, after the, however long their training is, they have nothing else to do with them. They're not saying they'll give them a job. Yeah. Yeah. They're just true. putting them out into the market and saying, good luck. Yeah. My pet hate is when I get people who want to what's it called watch my not watch um, observe assist, my classes observe. observe or assist who have been sent off by other studios to go and assist teachers in other studios or go not assist really observe, observe. And that lurk in the back corner i've never met you it's going to be actually quite off-putting for my students some random person making notes at the back <laughs> but i get that all the time like other other teacher training schools pushing their teachers out there <laughs> I don't ask any of my like I don't ask any of my graduates or trainees to go and sit in somebody else's class. It's rude. I say go and take their class, yeah, but yeah. do the class. Anything you need to write down, if it's important, you'll write it down later. Yeah, mm. but do not get in the way of somebody else's class. And if you want to go to it and you're just observing, you should still pay for the space. Yeah, so true. It's a bit weird, you isn't should. it? Just someone sitting at the back it's watching. It's super weird. I don't. I don't agree with it at yeah. all. Yeah. My, my view now is, if 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 I kind of half know them, I will say, come pay, do the class. You can have a little pad next to you. So if there's mm, anything that yeah. suddenly jumps to mind, you can quickly make a note. If there's any questions, ask me at the end. But I want you but to I've, be doing. I've had classes. I used to, um, like back in the day when I actually had time, mm-hmm. I used to write out my sequence and type it up and send it to everybody that came to class. Mm. Oh, really? And then I started to notice that other local yoga teachers were coming to my class just so they would get the, the handouts. <laughs> And I was just like, well, I'm going to stop doing that. Taking, <laughs> taking advantage of your kindness. Because observation starts to look not like appreciation and observation. It starts to look like direct theft. Stealing. And like completely <laughs> take, exactly. Just yeah. taking somebody else's class plan ideas, methodologies that they've never practiced themselves and passing it off as their own. Mm. And I've got a problem with that. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about you must have had i'm sure like lots of insults and a like in especially like as you said uh, <laughs> oh why'd no, you say no, that no not because no I said, i'm not sure what that means <laughs> as in okay so what i mean by that is so earlier on you, you mean, said like, bender <laughs> no <laughs> like the ashtanga technically we're all bender right <laughs> yeah like the ashtanga community you know weren't taking you seriously for instance like who's oh, this God, new, no. so like who's this new kid on town or, or, or you oh, know, even the this... forest yoga people hate me. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, mostly because I did a video about doing yoga amongst trees, and that's the thing they hate being asked the most: is forest yoga about <laughs> trees. <laughs> was that? Were you taking the piss, or you just that was not related? <laughs> it's not related oh. at all. But hey, I don't think I've helped their conversation. Oh dear. So, uh, but then, how, like, how have you dealt with that? Like, how have you dealt with the haters or the critics and are like, what's been I your strategies? Laugh. I laugh. I make, well, if they're going to be like that, I mean, Jesus Christ, like, I mean, rarely will they say it to my face. Mm. Um, and that's not me challenging. Like, if anybody that's listening, if you're thinking, well, I'm just going to go and say it to his face, you can try it. <laughs> um, I have a very low tolerance, a very high rage threshold, and I will cut you to ribbons with words. Excellent. But I, I, I kind of laugh it off. I mean, yeah, I used to think back in the Ashtanga days, I was really like, 
if the yoga police said anything, oh my God, that'd be bedridden for six months, um, worried about it. And now if somebody's coming for me with that, it like it does not affect me in the slightest because mm. I simply could not give a flying crap. So what's changed? How, was, how have you gone from caring to not caring? Yoga practice or? Um, well, not necessarily. I think with the whole kilted yoga thing came a whole myriad of negatives, you know, like yeah, death threats through the front door. Death um, threats? Yeah, oh like I, like the, the place I used to live, like the flats I used to live in, one of the neighbors, put an envelope under my doormat basically saying like we are sick of you living here um we're sick of your type living here and we are going to come for your dog oh my gosh you know like i had to get the police involved and like but then i when alan and i started dating like he was parking in like my car parking space and he had his tires slashed where (gasps) we lived you know like like when you're dealing with that Mm. somebody being like Oh, I don't think your Marichethna D is very good. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, I couldn't give a crap. Mm. Like, that stuff is so insignificant mm. compared to all the other stuff that like, was done. That's terrifying. What, you know? Oh, some people are such arseholes. Yeah, it puts they? it all in perspective, doesn't it, of course? Mm. Yeah, so that stuff, does, that stuff really does not matter. And how- I mean, if it, I mean, I get the people, there's always going to be, and I don't, I'm sure you've had this, I'm sure people after your workshops have been like, oh, what he's teaching isn't yoga, you know? Like, yeah. you must get it. I get it. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, indeed. So <laughs> I, I then go on a rant about what yoga is. <laughs> and what Likewise. yoga isn't. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about... So it's kind of changed for you. Okay, you've had some criticism, but now you're celebrated and now you are, you know, you are leading pride events for Scotland. So it's gone in kind of the opposite direction. You are applauded your yeah. recent wedding kind of was on... hailed as yeah i think i think they just struggle from a pr point of view to find healthy scottish people um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I, not so much that i think that i can bring a unique image to whatever that is that they're marketing and mm. i think they like that it brings a different focus a different energy and i can get a crowd really riled up which yeah yoga teachers don't usually get to say that yeah. but not many yoga teachers are literally put on the back of trucks so that they can handstand and show their pants to the crowd i mean come on and you and you proposed to alan i just watched your video again and i like cried both times <laughs> i remember when we were in um, zurich together and you were telling me all about it was, and how we had to keep it telling you what i was planning yeah, yeah and it was you the guys, following weekend. you guys were like you guys were like the only people that knew ahead of time so like, special. I was like, well i was like i'm, I'm assuming they're not going to tell alan oh, so we, t- we told you know, him he knew no, I, kept, I kept checking checking <laughs> that weekend i kept checking twitter like for what's trending yeah, like yeah. pride wise oh tell us tell us about it well I, he said yes obviously <laughs> um well obviously it, it almost didn't happen like obviously when i spoke to you i had said like i'm planning this i'm going to be on like the one person on a float i'm going to have alan like walking alongside the float and kind of doing all that stuff and then when we arrived in america like the day after we arrived he was experiencing stomach pain and had to have emergency surgery to take his appendix oh, out yes. like, literally the day we got there when you're in disneyland and, or something disney world yeah yeah, yeah. We did, and we were in the queue for the first ride on the first day and he couldn't even get on it. Oh my God. How so they were like, look, we think you need to go to the hospital. We got to the hospital and they said, this needs to come out now. It's about to burst. Oh my God. Um, and so, you know, by that afternoon, you know, he's prepped for surgery. I'm like on the phone to his insurance um, and trying to work this out. So he then was told that he couldn't fly, which was a problem because we needed to get to Washington DC by that Friday. Yeah. So um, we had some tense conversations because I was getting really stressed about it and he was getting really annoyed because it seemed, it obviously from my end, seemed a lot like pressure, yeah. like hurry up and recover so that we can go and do this. Get on with it. Because he couldn't see, I don't think he could see it as important because I think sometimes Alan, he manages me in a way that he is like a business manager where he's like, how much are they paying? <laughs> where are we staying and if they're not paying why are we doing it Mm. and like you know it's not a paid gig i was like going to represent the uk in pride so i was like look they're not paying he was like well let's just not go and i was like no we really need to go (laughs) we really 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 need to go um and at one point he also looked in my rucksack where i had my where i had the box with the ring in it 
<gasps> and I lost my shit. I lost it. I was like, don't you dare go in my bag. And I think he thought I was just having like an absolute meltdown. Yeah. Was just but I did obviously explain all of this afterwards and be like, do you remember that time you went in my bag? It was just because of that. You no, almost found yeah, it. Yeah, looks I'm um, crazy. So we, we get to Washington and he is meant to be walking the parade, but he's not looking great. You know, he's looking a bit oh. peaky. So, you know, he's kind of resting a lot at the start and he starts walking and it's like 35 degrees. It's hot. It's sunny. I'm not used to either of those things. You know, I am used to cold and wet and damp. And the only thing that was damp was the space between my legs because I was running with sweat, wearing a kilt. It was super heavy, massive woolen socks, snow boots in summer. Thank you. Don't do that, children. And we get to the point of the parade. I'm literally out of breath. And we stop at the judging stations and they basically say, oh, Finley's got something to say. And I grabbed the microphone that I pre-organized, um, proposed, jumped down from the floats. And Aww. as he, in his shocked way, said, yes, like confetti cannons Aww. exploded. And he looked happy. He didn't amazing. look, he didn't look ill then. He looked really happy. That was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously we were both beaming after yeah. that, like absolutely buzzing. Wow. It was wonderful. We'll never forget that. And I actually did an interview for the, on this morning about two weeks ago. Oh, did you? No, not two weeks ago. I, I lose track of time in lockdown. It was probably two months ago or something like that. Yeah. But thanks to Zoom, I have no concept of time anymore. <laughs> um, and they, they were playing this, the engagement but it wasn't on the tv and so when i started the interview i was a bit i was like totes a moosh so obviously we get we had obviously just gotten married but it was in secret yes oh, of course oh yeah. God, then, yeah but then so what was who who was that person who did the wedding for you what Michelle was that? Visage. I don't know that person. I, I know that oh big my God. <laughs> go and watch drag race and learn a thing oh, is she or in two. drag race um yeah. Yeah, she's like the like, she's like other than RuPaul is like the judge of Drag Race. So, um, That's yeah, we that, ended okay. up getting married on the 29th of May, and then had to keep it secret under media and press embargo, and couldn't tell anyone for weeks. And then it was it was on TV. Was that the idea? It was it was made into a yeah, documentary? Yeah. yeah. So well, I mean. W- essentially, she Michelle Visage had put out something saying, "I want to marry a couple for." pride send in um send an email here and so we it was like the last day we didn't think we were going to do it and we sent in an email and then all of a sudden we have a sort of um facetime call with michelle visage and she's like oh out of like 800 couples i've chosen you guys oh my gosh and we had we had 36 hours to prepare a wedding so you didn't know before that 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 was no. gonna happen oh my gosh well, that- we didn't know that we would we also didn't know we'd have bloody 36 hours to do the whole damn thing so but you pulled it off uh, we pulled it off and it was beautiful like oh. yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't have changed it so oh. just in our front garden our neighbors obviously everybody had been locked in like it yeah. was the first day of the wedding was the first day that they relaxed things in scotland enough that you could go into someone else's garden so none of us had seen each other for oh. months. And so everybody was in like their very best clothing. The boys down at the bottom of the street that I teach yoga to played bagpipes. There was, they had decorated the whole street with bunting because we live on a super cute cobbled street. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And so there was all these flowers and people were throwing rose petals. It was marvelous. The neighbors never would have been involved if it hadn't been for lockdown. Yeah. That's so special. Why did they choose you guys? Why not? Well, I can only imagine because we're absolutely (laughs) fabulous. Look at their their faces. You guys, I think it was the I think the engagement video is what we were looking because it was pride pride engagement, and we were meant to get married um, basically 364 days from when I had proposed. That was our planned date. Then obviously lockdown happened, and we had to cancel completely. Yeah, and you've been married before. Uh, Yes, I have. Are we going to go there? I just, you said something about how it was over when your honeymoon began, and I kind of wanted to touch on that. So, uh, basically, on the honeymoon, this is like the perils of Instagram. So, (laughs) I found out on my honeymoon, checking through like my Instagrams and being like, oh, you know, as you do, like wasting your life. (laughs) And I find a message from somebody being like, oh, your husband cheated on you. Oh and I was like, God. what's this? And I asked him about it. And he was like, you need to get off Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Like, delete your account, blah. 
and so I didn't. Of Delete course, your account. Like, oh, That's is... a sign of guilt, right? Isn't yeah, it? It's oh, totally. Totally. Delete your account. Um, and then not long after I got home from that, so obviously my hackles are up. I'm not trusting anybody. He leaves his Facebook open, mm. and I see like numerous conversations. And th- how this? Is, let me just explain how dumb this person is. So, <laughs> on Facebook, your name's there. <laughs> yes. You signing a separate name at the bottom of a Facebook message where it says, "Here's your name from this account," <laughs> and then signing it, John, yeah. somebody else. The person's not dumb enough to know that you called John, mm. you know? So I was reading through John's messages and I was like, mm, let me look at this date range. And it showed me evidence, visual evidence that within 24 hours of him um, performing his vows, <gasps> he had cheated on me. Oh my gosh. And had then gone on to cheat on me with like about 30 different people and denied the lot of it so you you confronted him about it oh obviously. yeah did i confront him about it yeah. i was like we're done i'm out oh my god well, straight away did you did you have any idea that any of this was going on was it completely a i shock? had accused him of it like a few years before and like we had worked it out and there was like full 100 percent denials and all that sort of thing but mm. then to have like definite proof yeah and to have people reaching out because they pity you mm-hmm. enough that they think they should tell you was a problem. I wanted to run and hide. Like I went into such a mental health spiral. Every eating disorder that I had previously had and tamed was back with a vengeance oh because every bit of me was thinking, what part of me isn't enough? Yeah. Mm. And it was like, it was like over a year of mess. Isn't it weird how we like blame ourselves almost thinking it's our fault that that's happened and that we're not I enough. Mean, I can fully see that it was all 100% him. <laughs> yes. But there's another part of my brain that says, but what about you wasn't enough mm. to keep him honest? Mm. You know, and I, I, it's still difficult for me to not think like that. So what were your strategies? So strategies for like helping you through that or getting through that. And I know like business wise, you were tied up as well. So like on a professional level. Yeah, yeah. So from a professional point of view, I had three businesses with him. And, oh, wow. Um, that was awkward for a very long time until we kind of made the split of thinking like, nah, I don't want you anywhere near the yoga stuff. Like you're tainting it. Like you keep showing up to class. I mean, imagine your ex-husband showing up to your yoga classes every week. Well, he kept showing that was my up. Life. Even after yeah. every- what? Who is this crazy yeah. person? Oh, he he's a lunatic. Oh my God. Anyway, so eventually I was like, nah, we have to split this and have nothing to do with each other. So that's kind of the direction we went down. And obviously Alan so, you know, came into the picture and that yeah. was a very wonderful distraction. It was obviously like a two year period of turmoil. And like, what were my strategies? Like mm, initially, I'm not proud of what my reaction was. Like when I say like I spiraled down, you're talking like I had gone from living in a comfortable home and the way that the law is here, because I walked out, I lost everything. Oh my God. So, so like um, up here, like, well, I suppose even in the UK, there's no such thing as adultery in a same-sex relationship. Really? Is there not? Yeah, so I couldn't divorce him. So I, I had no claim to anything. So I lost my home. I lost my two dogs. They stayed oh with him. God. You know, like That's all my possessions right, stayed it? there. And I had to start again from nothing. Mm. I had to beg him, who managed the financials for the yoga studio, I had to beg him to finally pay me a wage so that I could actually live somewhere. It's not right, is it? So hang on, so... In that sense, marriage isn't marriage, in a sense, in Scotland. It is. Marriage is equal, but divorce isn't. Right. Oh. An oversight on the part of the law. Mm. When I saw my lawyer, she she genuinely, she had tears in her eyes. And she says, I don't know how to tell you this. We've never come up against this before, but you've no grounds for divorce. <laughs> but is there, is, there any, is there any efforts from people to change that? Is that something people are aware of and campaigning against? I don't think it's, I don't think so. I don't think it's come up very much. Well, I was going to say, leave you it sh- with me for when I've got time. Yeah, I was going to say, you <laughs> yeah. should do it, but I think you've got your hands full at the moment. I mean, <laughs> Quite a lot going on. I don't want to start campaigning for divorce when I just got married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, valid. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so what, what are you looking for now? Like, what is wealth for you now? Like, what do you want? Um, wealth has taken, like, a really different feel. Like, Alan and I have moved into a home together and we put in a super cheeky offer. Like, what you would get in London... For this, honest to God, like you would, 
you would laugh. Wow. You would laugh. <laughs> you know, we've got like a three-bedroom house, three bathrooms, gar- wrap-around garden. Yeah. And you're talking, we barely spent, we didn't even spend £250,000, <gasps> you know? Yeah. So you got the cheeky offer accepted? Oh, we we, we went like £30,000 less than the asking price. Amazing. You got and lucky. they were just like, sure. Yeah. Well, you bloody deserve you know, it. Yeah. And since then, like we've, wealth for us, as soon as a little bit of money comes in, we are like improving our house. You know, we're doing nice things here and improving it Um, because it's old. I mean, it's like 1800s a house. There's a lot of stuff needing doing. Mm. Um, So, yeah, we kind of, this has been a real asset. Like I think traveling on the road and coming back to flats and rentals and stuff like that really sucked. But see now, like knowing I've got a home to come home to, that's completely different. I almost don't want to even go on the road again. Mm. I've got exactly the same thing. I, yeah, I love home. I yeah. love home and having someone you love. Little hub. In, like, you know he's and waiting in bed for you. Especially since lockdown. Have you found in lockdown that you're just spending all your time with each other? Yes. And now when you leave, I'm like, don't go. <laughs> same thing. Like, I think we've gotten closer. Like, yeah. We, like, you know, our, when we start seeing other people, we're like, oh, do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, we shouldn't say this, but we're kind of the same. <laughs> there's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I never had that in my previous marriage. I never had that comfort Aww. of a home and that comfort of being with somebody all the time and constantly surprising ourselves with laughing our heads off. <laughs> you know, like we are the goofiest. I think on social media, people see us in like really serious, like posed. Yeah. Whereas like at home, like he wouldn't let me video record the dumb stuff that we do around this house. Oh, we want to see it. That might get you. That, that might that, get you a bunch that, of new that followers. That's something I would say slightly. <laughs> there, is, there is sometimes I always feel a slight, very slight that disconnection. So not disconnection, but it's different. Sometimes the social media you is then different to what you get when you meet you in person or have the long. Fo- and I guess you need that I to some degree. Think when people meet me in person, they totally like. I, I think that I'm pretty much the same, but. I think the thing that we don't share that because it's private for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's you your, know, sacred, like, your sacred I feel thing. Like, yeah, we'll share some things, but we don't want to share it all. Yeah, that's fair enough. Because um, otherwise, like, I don't even know why I would want to do that. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, it's, I, I don't know how, how to quite articulate it, but like, I really, I think people don't. All, like, people love you clearly. But I think people, when they hear these long form conversations, will love you even more. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's the value of podcasts and the fact you do so many interviews now is people really get to see how you passionate to really you are someone. and really know you. Because mm. I think I, I think to meet you, you're one of the most enchanting people yeah. and have such a like a good heart and one of the few people in the yoga world who are really trying to give it out to as many people as they can. That's mm. so heartening. Yeah, and I think it's just nice when you have these long longer conversations and people really understand that mm. and it's it, but it is it is tricky because even like you when you're posting on social media i mean you can't post and be like oh i'm really good at dealing with back pain or <laughs> look at all this stuff yeah. I, you know it's not i i'm really uncomfortable posting me like look at the stuff i'm doing like yeah. I, I i don't like that i tell stories for yeah. me my instagram yeah. is more a journal of kind of what I'm thinking about and pondering about. And sometimes my posts are really long and sometimes they are really a lot to read, but they are what they are. Mm. You know? mm. um, I've been really struggling lately um, with people, uh, let's say not necessarily using social media responsibly mm. over lockdown. In what sense? Um, well, you know, like the anti-maskers, the conspiracy theorists oh, yeah. that have sort of come out from the woodwork that we wish we could beat them to death with. <laughs> and they're just there. And I see people in positions of authority and respect putting stuff out that I'm, I can't associate with. Mm. Like I'm currently in the process of kind of extraditing myself from forest yoga because they're posting really irresponsible stuff about anti-mask, how COVID isn't real and I've really? lost people. I've wow. lost people yeah. to this. You know, like you know, what there's people this? that were part of my story growing up who would like bandage my wounds growing up yeah. and are now gone because of this pandemic. Yet you have 
people in the system of yoga that I would normally associate with saying it's not real and is a conspiracy. And, and it's hard, like, what do we do in that situation? Do we either, like, my default is to mute or delete. It's like, stop following, mute or delete. But at the same time, and I do that. should we be engaging in the conversation and the debate? Or, like, like is that a good use I've of time? I've been calling them out. I've been calling them out. And... Um, that's my issue is actually once you've called them out and said hey actually this is what's going on for me this is my experience with this here is the experience of many other people when presented with that information when you just get the same echo chamber response that they didn't hear it at all Mm. they just heard their own voice um you have to break off the tie and that's that's where i'm at just now i'm so disappointed and disheartened that a system that I previously cared for is showing such disrespect and mm. such a lack of care. Mm, I think all yeah, I think one. all we can I think all we can do in that situation is, as you said, call them out, but at the same time try and be an advocate of the good. That's what yeah. we can do is try and share the yeah. positive information or try and share the more accurate mm. well researched information as best yeah, as we can. I guess everyone's got a right <clears throat> a right to have a voice and an opinion, haven't I? Haven't they? And it's just up to you. But as you, you said, or... echo, these people are in echo chambers, thing, you know, or they're left alone reading comments for an hour or reading posts and suddenly in that room they've gener- they believe in this conspiracy theory or they've generated really strong beliefs. And I saw so many people that, you know, share articles and I can just tell they haven't read the article. That yeah, they've read, read the, the tagline, or they saw the, or they saw the cover image and thought that's dramatic and shared it. Mm. But I think everyone the knows. The worst is the meme junkies. Jeez, oh. <laughs> oh, I love a meme. But I think everyone knows that there's anyone <laughs> it's a time can and a place. <laughs> <laughs> anyone can post anything about anything. You don't have to be an expert on anything anymore. So I think people are more opening their eyes more to that and doing their research but more. It, and it is just so scary. Uh, what's that called? The deep fakes. Have you come across the deep fakes where they put someone else's face on a video? Oh my god, that's scary. So deep fake. I don't know if it's, a, if it's a computer software or a group of people, and they will add. So I, I saw, uh, what's the new film with Robert De Niro, Al Pacino in it, the one on Netflix, the, a gangster film. Uh, and in, yeah. that, in that film, they use like high-end computer technology to make like Robert De Niro younger. Mm. So in the same film, there's young Robert De Niro and old Robert De Niro. And then these deep fake people came along and did it better. Like made it just so realistic, and like, and I've seen them put like Joe Rogan's face Scary, on Barack Obama, it? and it's it real. looks real. Yeah, in every sense, it looks like a real video. This so. It's just so, so scary. So this is a little bit beyond like the people that I see putting their face on the like, the Shakira videos that you see on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this could this could be another podcast for another time. No, let's, let's do, some, do quick, some quick. Let's do some quick ni- nice jolly quick fire questions. <laughs> All right, oh, we can't go deep and dark now. Yeah. <laughs> all right you go first if you got uh, one. so is there anything that you would sh- like that you like books that you give to people or give to your students that you think everyone should read or one book maybe oh gosh that's a tricky one um i mean obviously my book is fabulous <laughs> what, what's it called Henley? <laughs> it's called kilted yoga I mean, like, you can't miss it have, you, have yoga. you ever gifted anyone your own book of course he has. Yeah, of course I have. Yeah, of course he has. But like, no, but okay, not as in like friends, but like you've gone to like a housewarming party. Or like Christmas present or something. Or a Christmas present and given your own book <laughs> in that context. Oh my God, no, but I have given like, I've, um, I've given one to Britney Spears. <gasps> um, oh my God, I love Britney. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's been like a few different people like around that have kind of given yeah. the book to like her. Twitter's as, fun when... Not as a housewarming Twitter's, present. <laughs> no, 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 my gosh, no. Twitter's fun because like occasionally people, like celebrities will be like, oh my God, I just got your book all of a sudden. Like I know Harry Styles' mum's got it. Oh, winning, winning. Uh, if you could do one yoga pose for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, I mean, I do love... I, you guys call it like double pigeon or fire log oh, or something yes. like that. I, I, oh, I just love oh, it. Oh, so good for the hips. I just love it? it. I love sitting in it. Yeah. Swimming sh- in it. The shittiest advice you've been given in the yoga field or yoga business field. Oh, God. There's a lot. I mean, we could totally like get into an entire hour of just like <laughs> crap yoga teachers say. <laughs> just um, the worst. What is the worst advice I've ever been given? I mean, I, there's. I mean, it's not necessarily advice. I've certainly been sat on enough times. Sat on. Yeah. That's actually pretty. Yeah, 
that's not the one is there was one time that a yoga teacher in chicago checked to see if my pelvic floor was working in the middle of a class by slipping his hand underneath my butt while sitting doing pranayama no fucking way i I think he was a bit dodgy yeah a little little, um three finger press to see what was going on oh my god me too blimey it's in hashtag me too. That's terrible. No, though, that's yeah. happened to me. It's in hashtag me too. That's awful. But okay. as you're saying on people, no, it just that that for me that only serves the teacher's ego. Mm. Like it makes them maybe yeah, look like they well, know what they're you're doing. You're literally sitting on somebody. I mean, mm. look, it's like Bikram when he stands on people's backs. Oh my I god, mean, that's that docu- that documentary. So many people have been hurt by teachers. Like, mm. I get it all the time where people say to me, "Oh, that teacher hurt me." I'm like, "Did you tell them?" No. no. Yeah. Like, just tell them. You need to. T- if yeah. a teacher hurts you, the only way they're going to stop doing it is to actually tell them they've hurt you. Yeah. Hands on when I teach in my teacher trainings is never about deepening a pose. No, right. it's help, never. It's never about getting into your forebend. It was mm. about um, decompressing a joint or like helping to create a little bit of space. But it's never about like deepening a bind, for example. Yeah, yeah. Never. Like so, for example, if somebody's like deepening a bind and pulling you from the front, they're like really going to potentially damage into the shoulder yeah. joint. But if instead you are massaging and easing into like rhomboid trapezius you're going to have more chance of that person relaxing and being able to go further but you're not yanking on anything mm. i think that comes from like 10 years of being like a massage therapist like mm. it's, you've got yeah. a very different view of touching bodies you've got an understanding of the body that most yoga teachers don't have or a lot of teachers yeah. don't let's finish on a nice one have you what's a okay. mantra that you live by or like a quote that you love or a philosophy that you live by something like that Courage is the magic that turns dreams into reality. Oh, Courage perfect. is the magic. Who wears that from or by? I can tell you right now, it is from a video game that I played <laughs> when I was 16. Say it, is, one, is say it, it Final Fantasy? Do you know, it's not actually. So if you, so, all right, Adam, I know you and I like totally love a Final Fantasy. <laughs> if you are up for a whole other series of games, which I would say is almost on par with Final Fantasy, and I'm welcome to take some heat on this from your followers, Tales of Symphonia or anything from the Tales of people, absolutely marvelous. You'll totally emotional, gush, you'll cry. Is, that com- is it computer, it's- that PC game? Oh, no, my gosh, no. What is it on? Who can be bothered with that? Consoles, hun? Tales of Symphonia. <laughs> Tales of anything. Like, if it's Tales of, it's from the same people. Holly, am I say, allowed? No. No. Say the quote, <laughs> say the quote one more time. <laughs> Courage is the magic that turns dreams into reality. That's a love line. Beautiful. I got goosebumps a little bit then. One more, let's add a one more, like, love note. Oh, okay. Your favourite thing about Alan. Oh. I... <sighs> It is that when we are with each other, I know before he wasn't goofy and the way that he is. So I know that the him that I get, no one else does. Oh, oh my God, goosebumps again. I'm crying a little bit. Oh, <laughs> you guys. Oh, thank you so much, Finley, for being on the podcast. Thank you so thank much, you. Finley. It's been a pleasure. Honestly, I'm balanced.